0: Okay, uh, keep it uh, very brief. Um, first of all, um, uh, look at the notes in uh, uh, row 19. Uh, Peter, row, row 19 awesome. notes. Um, we, we reconstituted some of the dimensions. Uh, in fact, uh, <clears throat> in particular, formal slash structure. We moved structure to uh, structure granularity, um, Again, uh, you know, it depends on uh, how the, the, the rest of the groups uh, uh, gauge this, but uh, we had some problems um, trying to define that, <clears throat> especially structure from a semantic point of view. Uh, so we, uh, we basically... You are the
1: only participant in this conference. Press any key to continue this conference.
0: <laughs> so...
1: Press any key to continue this
2: conference.
0: (laughs) So we just made it formal, informal to formal, um, with no specified uh, uh, scale, if you will. We had originally proposed semi-formal, but nobody liked that either. Um, We called it at... uh, Uh, because we we considered formal meaning maybe has a model theory. I know there's issues with that. Um, Therefore, we really punted uh, simply because we thought, well, uh, taxonomies, thesauri, we'd like to say that they're partially formal, but we couldn't really characterize the definition of formal there. So we we, uh, discussed, uh, we moved structure then into granularity, so uh, it, it basically became something like uh, 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 structure slash granularity. You increase in structure, uh, there's a loose correspondence to uh, maybe increasing informality if you keep that as a continuum. It's also partially correlated with expressiveness because uh, expressiveness is focused on a language, We we thought that expressiveness, if we tolerated non-language and just talked about frameworks that could be formalized uh, into a language but hadn't been, say uh, taxonomies, uh, ontologies, topic maps, they're not really formal because there's really no language slash uh, uh, logic behind them, but they could be still expressed as if somebody wanted to do the effort as a, to construct a language for them. Uh, and then granularity in structure basically means uh, something that has uh, less granularity might mean that you have just a, a taxonomy within, let's say, an owl ontology, where you're just using subclassing without any other relations, properties, uh, et cetera, restrictions. <clears throat> that would be... Uh, less granular than, uh, and especially if you only had uh, a few of those uh, classes, subclasses. If you increased uh, your structure, granularity became more finer grained. It would probably mean something like uh, you have additional relations. Perhaps you have many axioms. Uh, We'd like to characterize that with a metric. Uh, We thought maybe something like axioms per term but uh, we couldn't really characterize it in the uh, time we had. So average axiom per term as a gauge of uh, structure granularity with the caveat that uh, uh, you would have to do something to probably transform some constructs into an axiom that uh, may not be uh, essentially axiomatized. So the result is uh, the groupings uh, class A basic formal ontology, Uh, we characterized it as formal. In fact, all these are formal. Uh, So in the interest of time, uh, we're focusing on uh, uh, BFO, Sumo, Engineering Math, Cosmo, and PSL, uh, process uh, specification language. Expressiveness, uh, first-order logic for all. Uh, except cosmo at this point. uh, We're we're going with what Pat said, which was owl plus swirl. Structure, again, relatively low slash limited for uh, basic formal ontology, but axiomatized. So in, in principle, BFO intends to be small. So in, in, our, in this definition, uh, perhaps of uh, granularity, uh, it's less granular by, almost by definition. Sumo, medium, simply because uh, it's mostly upper and middle, but there may be, in fact, few axioms per term. Uh, engineering, math, we consider that high. It's a, it's a relatively Relatively constrained domain, uh, even though it's, uh, you know, uh, maybe a more abstract domain, focusing on math, engineering math in particular, but the level of uh, structure granularity is high. Cosmo, low, by definition, um, uh, mostly terminology at this point, eventually to become axiomatized more, but uh, low grain, low structure. PSL, medium. Uh
1: Sure. When you say Sumo, are you Sumo plus Milo? Or?
0: Well, yeah, initially we, 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 we considered Sumo alone, but then we thought, well, uh, we could probably actually include Milo in that uh, simply because it's an elaboration, but, uh, you know, maybe, maybe in the same way that Sumo is uh, uh, fairly uh, few axioms per term. But again, some of these are judgment calls. Uh, reasoning, yes, across the board, we're, they were all interested or supporting reasoning or intend to have reasoning. Descriptive, prescriptive, which might be loose, strict. Um, BFO, strict. Sumo, strict. Engineering, math, uh, strict. Cosmo, uh, loose. And PSL strict. Strict. Missing value. Uh, Design methodology, top down for basic, uh, for BFO. Sumo, by definition, is a merger, so uh, we just use that as a value. Uh, It's both top down and bottom up, depending upon what you look at that went into the merger. Uh, Engineering math, mostly top down, meaning we, we have a firm idea of the mathematics. Uh, you know, knowledge about the domain; hence, uh, use that to formalize. Uh, Cosmo uh, relatively ad hoc at this point, and PSL top down. Thank you. <coughs> you are
2: oh. uh, great. Thanks, Leo. So, Group B, I'll represent Thomas uh, mm-hmm. Vanderwell and Tom Gruber. The um, we. A couple of high-level points. We kind of found that we were on the corner, like the boundary case of this space. What we were representing were four ontologies, three that were actually were boundary cases. Delicious, which is a classic folksonomy. Um, and, yeah, we have little Word documents for each of these. Um, and then WordNet and Dublin Core, which um, we'll, we'll discuss in a second, but they're also are down, way down there in the fairly unstructured end of things. And then something called tag ontology, which is, I'll get to as a punchline. If you reduce the uh, view, this one comes up 125% by default. Thanks the wisdom of word there. Okay, so, uh, and the delicious, what's interesting here is, this, if we, we remember we were trying to come up with what, elucidate the, met, the units of measure or the scale for these dimensions and, and also test the dimensions. And there, this was, either this was a good zero point or, um, or maybe it just shows that, the level of structure there just wasn't any structure. I mean, there's not going to be any structure in a of the in the way the structure was defined in the in the paper, um, because there was no formalization of any kind. There's not supposed to be um, that nothing. Now remember, this is this is viewing a folksonomy as an ontology, not as a data set. So if you thought of folksonomy as as if you know God or evolution had created it, uh, then uh, then it has no formalization in it. Um, now, it also, um, it, the, the expressiveness representation is kind of a, also a red herring because there is no representation other than um, a single relation, which is, you know, X tagged Y with a label Z. Uh, there's, I mean, there's a little bit more to it, but it's basically one, one relation. Again, the representation granularity. Again, this this one started to really melt down on all of our examples. We could never make sense of it, really. Um, but uh, if anything, we were on the very coarse end of this thing, because you would say you might use a tag to say all kinds of different things, uh, and it was really it, it a It was a very blunt tool uh, as a representation. Um, what I found that was the most valuable um, two dimensions for that, that was, came out of this was, and this is in, this is dimensions not so not these are the dimensions in the sense that we were talking yesterday of how can we understand what ontologies are by talking about dimensions, not how do we get some matrix right, but how do we understand ontology? And intended use and role of reasoning. We're very, very instructive in understanding the ontologies here. And in this case, if you look at folksonomy as an ontology, its intended use, actually design is also important, its intended use is, uh, has two different interesting, has an intended use as an individual's tool and has an intended use as an emergent phenomenon for a group. The second unintended but consequential use is this, it's a feed forward mechanism into taxonomy or or control vocabulary development. And there people using it that way. Um, The role of reasoning was also instructive. Even though it had absolutely no structure, essentially just a relation, there was a lot of things you could do on a relation. You can join and pivot and project and filter all kinds of different ways. And that's what people do. And you can also aggregate. You can count up and you can statistically aggregate over the sets. Uh, so on that relation. So, there's an awful lot you can do with that reasoning, just with that simple representation. And the final bit of there was the design methodology. And this is interesting. This is like, this, is, this was designed in the same way that, you know, fruit flies are designed. Well, not that bad example. Um, that you know, normal animals are design, designed. And that is, in other words, they're not designed, they're evolved. And this one emerged. And, uh, and that's, that's, the, that's essentially the defining characteristic of folksonomy as, as ontology, that it is a completely emergent thing. Now, the two other uh, uh, exemplars down that corner of the space are WordNet and Dublin Core. Dublin Core, is, as most of you know, is just just a vocabulary, and it's uh, has it has no formal semantics at all. But boy, is it well documented! Yes, yeah, should I say something to this?
3: I'm sorry. I'm a former member of the d- Board of Trustees of the Dublin Corps, so when mm-hmm. you're finished, I'd like to sort of disagree with your characterization oh, you just one. now.
2: Why don't you just say sorry. what it is? I have the authority. Say what
3: it is. Well, the Dublin Corps is a, is a set of about 15 attributes which have syntax. Mm-hmm. They have, um, in some cases, there is a, a specification for the controlled vocabulary. In other cases, it is totally open and to- totally fluid and people have trouble defining even what a particular attribute is, such as subject, okay? Date is a little bit better, okay? Title, author, et cetera, but it's a core set of metadata, which is a faceted taxonomy, mm-hmm. okay? so.
2: So it's a faceted, method, faceted on top, vocabulary, but clearly it has no, if I, it's there's a taxonomy. In other words, there's no vocabulary. But there's taxonomy implies hierarchy, no?
3: No, taxonomy does not imply hierarchy. A biological taxonomy is represented as a hierarchy. Okay, But a taxonomy, there are five different types of taxonomies. That's one of our major problems here. We haven't started out with clean definitions. We've all come with our own assumptions, and we've overlaid our own assumptions and prejudices on the discussion. So I think it, it, the conclusion of this workshop, from my, from my perspective, is that whatever anybody walks away with is going to be the result. We are not going to have a consensus. We are not going to be merging opinions at all.
2: Okay. Well, that's, that's a good point of um, some theater.
3: Maybe uh,
1: could could we sort of uh, request the Denise to redo the dimensions for Dublin Core in particular? Well, no, it's a... Okay.
3: We'll sidetrack. I think he should, he should continue. I think Tom should continue. It's just that once in a while, when something is so off, I just want to raise my hand and say, I'm not sure that's quite right, okay? So, but...
2: And that's fair. I mean, the point of these exercises that go into the examples is to stress the, the framework and so on. So, the, obviously, we have we have different interpretations among this group of what the word taxonomy and the word vocabulary mean. So, we need to probably put a star on that and clarify that, which word sense we mean of those words. Um, and that's a good good point. Um, so, Dublin Core is an example of those things that Denise said. Um, some people might call it this or that. But the, the interesting point is that even though it's amazingly well-documented, and I've obviously gone through just torturous standardization processes, what you end up with is 15 words. And, and uh, not, a, not a well, okay, how, many, how many are there then? Not 15?
3: They're not words. They're actually oh, attributes oh. and specifications.
2: 15 attributes and specifications. Okay. But the actual values are not really constrained by any formal or operational semantics.
4: Is that correct?
3: It depends. It depends
4: on the particular attribute. I mean, control vocabulary is a taxonomy, but a taxonomy is not a control
1: vocabulary.
2: Uh, It's fine. We'll call it. So we would call it a taxonomy then, sorry, faceted. faceted taxonomy. Okay. Um, all right. So anyway, but the, like I, you know, I just read the documents and made sense of them as best I could. Um, the, um, the other one was WordNet and uh, WordNet is, a, uh, is interesting in that it is a kind of a database like a corpus and like a dictionary might be. And it's also can, like folksonomies can be used as an ontology. And, and th- this, this one is, now this one, uh, the insight we got from this one was that there was a, we could put a, a unit on the scale of expressiveness here. Which is essentially, this is what you, this is the equivalent, where, where folksonomy needed the equivalence of a relational database. This one needed the equivalence of a semantic net. In other words, you need to have nodes and typed arcs with no semantics. Just nodes and type arcs. I mean, no formal semantics. Names. Some of them had no formal semantics, but no implied formal semantics. So, in other words, some of them actually say there's an axiom, this is, accident, this is a subclass or something like that. The point is that there's sort of this level of representation where you just need nodes and typed arcs. And then there's another level that goes beyond where you have all kinds of fancy, subsumption, and so on, right? So this one seemed to just need that representational level, which was interesting. The other thing about it is that it was very, they were very explicit about their intended use, too. The designers of this thing said, this is for natural language processing. And that really helps them understand when they're getting it right or not. So I think it's a really important insight. Okay. Do you have any comments? Anyone open on that? Bert?
3: Um I agree that um, WordNet is what we would call a networked, taxonomy, a network structured taxonomy, as opposed to um, uh, Dublin Core, which is a metadata scheme, which is a faceted taxonomy. They are different. The semantics of um, uh, what I would call the semantic relationships of a faceted taxonomy are different than the, the semantic relationships of a network taxonomy. Um, but that still doesn't say anything about the rigor or nature of the the relationships. I'm not sure that makes any sense to anybody who hasn't worked with it.
2: So the final one we actually uh, volunteered, actually, you have to refresh yourself. There it is, TAG ontology. So TAG ontology is interesting. This, um, This is actually about TAG data, but it's not the same as a folksonomy. It's actually the enabling technology, enabling ontology to share folksonomies. In particular, to share them uh, across heterogeneous systems, and this one is, has the interesting property that it's actually relatively um, clean. I mean, in terms of it, like it has a very small number of relations, but the semantics are fairly well spelled out. Not spelled out in, uh, so much in axioms, but they're spelled out fairly well in, in conceptualization. Sort of like the um, okay, sort of like Dublin Core. People have good words to say what they mean for some of those words. Okay, some of those facets. So, anyway, the interesting thing about the tag, there's, there was also, there are already existing tag ontologies, and this particular effort was to sort of build on them and consolidate and extend. Um, the, um, this is a, a good foil against which to compare folksonomy. Because you say, this may also be true of things like WordNet. where there's a WordNet ontology for the, for the N relations, whatever they are. There's like 10 or something relations. And they have a kind of semantics. And then there's like the corpus, which is the instantiation of those relations on, on 200,000 synsets. And the tag ontology stands in the same relation. It has a small number of relations and concepts in the order of a dozen or so. And yet you can apply it to millions and millions of records of tag data. Which then in turn, some people could look at as sort of a like corpus like a, like a WordNet. So we see we have, now we've sort of highlighted that there's two kinds of ontologies as a result. So those are the highlights of the findings. There's documents here that I read pretty quickly, so if you want to get a rundown, just zip through them. That was group, C, group B. Group C is, anyone have a handle on that? Who was Group C? The group that's what? Way behind? I mean, the group that's kind of
3: pointing at
2: each
1: other. Oh, okay. Who's, <laughs> who's getting stuck? <laughs> uh, this, this group, we, um, we, we attacked two different uh, models, which could be considered ontologies. Um, unfortunately, nobody in the group was really an expert on either, so we'll try to fumble through this as best we can. Uh, what we did was we, we ranked these uh, at different uh, 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 framework attributes numerically, uh, but each one of the cells has some comments in it. So if you uh, hover over a cell and pull up some of the comments, uh, I can pull up my version here. Maybe we can just read through them from here. It might be easier. Make sure my laptop's not blocking my microphone. Okay. All right, we'll start first with the environmental data coding specification. What this is is a, uh, I'll describe it briefly. It's It's a glossary of terms where uh, uh, broader than, lesser than type relationships are captured for uh, a number of different terms that are germane to uh, modeling uh, an environment, terrain, weather, uh, hydrographic effects, things, things of that nature. Um, it was uh, built for an effort to, uh, to support neutral authoring or translation between other geospatial reference models that are already existing. Um, it's got a number. The, the overall effort has a number of different tools. This is uh, the glossary, which is what we uh, chose to evaluate here, which is a, sort of like a uh, uh, an ontology. Uh, the first thing we measured was: is this actually called an ontology? Uh, and it's 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 not, uh, mostly because the community that uses this is, is alien to the concept of what an ontology is and what you consider to be an ontology. Um, uh, as far as structure. Uh, on a 1 to 5, we ranked it as a 4. It's fairly fairly well-structured, fairly well put together. Uh, it's, it's not formal, uh, the, the structure uh, of the environmental data coding specification, but it is um, normative. I'm not sure if I'm, I'm catching distinction there. Uh, as far as expressiveness... Uh, we gave it a three. Some of the comments or observations from the group was, uh, were, were that it was uh, easily as expressive as uh, something like owl or protege. Um, the granularity is, is reasonably coarse. Uh, it, it doesn't really go below um, broad, broad term level in, in defining uh, the meanings behind things. Um, uh, its use was for neutral translation um, some complex reasoning uh, is possible here uh, because of the uh, relationships, the broader and lesser relationships, but uh, that, that's, that's probably the extent of it. Um, it's prescriptive, so I would suppose that means it's a strict in the strict or it's a strict design, the strictness category, uh, and this design was top down. Uh, they had in mind what they wanted to show with this when they started uh, and approached it from that perspective. Uh, the second. Ontology we looked at was an ontology, and I'll, I'll let the Doug jump in here a little bit. But this was an ontology that was developed to explain what was done in a, a geospatial markup language tool. So the tool itself was already in existence, uh, and then uh, was it was it uh, Drexel, Drexel University came back and developed an ontology to explain this markup language and and the relationships and and structure of the language itself. And what we did was evaluate that ontology, not necessarily the markup language itself. Uh, This is definitely called an ontology. Um, The the documentation starts out calling it an ontology, and uh, the the use community refers to it as such. Uh, Again, um, high in structure. Uh, Some of the observations were that is uh, easily as structured as anything that you could uh, approach from a tool like Protégé or something of that nature where you're, you're limited to, to strict structure and strict relationship formats. Uh, it's very expressive. Uh, there was some comment here uh, about... Um, uh, for expressiveness, would the amount of scientific specificity behind the elements and relationships would that account as being expressive? Uh, if, if the, the um, relationships and, and uh, elements of an ontology represented very, very well-defined scientific concepts from another domain or another uh, area, could you consider that to be expressive if the ontology itself were, were not necessarily very mathematically expressive? Uh, that's, that's where our group went with that. Um, it's got a very fine granularity. Um, uh, its use was for the integration of data sets and models. And... Um, now, this was, uh, uh, as far as reasoning, um, the group uh, assumed that this could support complex reasoning, but from the perspective of that it was developed as an upper-level ontology. Uh, and we were wondering if there was a, uh, a difference in evaluation for reasoning from an upper-level ontology, which is uh, our group assumed is supposed to serve as the model or tie-together point for other lower ontologies, and more specific ontologies, versus a lower ontology which was maybe designed specifically for reasoning. Um, this is uh, very uh, descriptive, uh, so it's very loose. It doesn't uh, solve to answer all the questions in the world about geospatial modeling. The ontology it was specifically done just to uh, model the um, the relationships and entities in this markup language, uh, and the design again was top down. So, uh, Doug, any comments? Any?
4: I think that that pretty much gets it. Again, it it, it turned out to be. A st- a top-level ontology within the geospatial domain, and so it's intended to be extended. or intended to build other ontologies under it. But at the other, with respect to this reasoning issue, there's a pretty clear implication. None of us are experts in this, but there's a pretty clear impl- implication that they want to take these different data sets and use that as a way to automatically extract the, the things in common. So that's what caused our confusion there. Or,
1: or the point anyway. Yeah, it seems to be built as an upper-level ontology, but with one specific case serving as its uh, as its source material or its source data. Uh, just overall, an overall observation: we thought that the um, the framework attributes were good. What we thought was was weak was uh, a definition of scale, or or, or maybe uh, being limited to just a linear scale. Who's
2: going to volunteer for the uh, medical?
4: Okay, this is the medical, uh, you you seem to have a column hidden. Uh, There, okay. So we looked at two ontologies in the medical domain, mesh and the gene ontology. For uh, structured, we just saw this as being very structured. It's... Very, very, rig- uh, everything in the um, mesh is uh, rigorously reviewed and controlled by the National Library of Medicine, and so we, yeah, we we concluded that this was a um, very formal, very structured ontology. Then, um, with respect to the expressiveness, this fit exactly with the, th- the notion of a thesaurus. Uh, where the relationship is the narrower than broader than uh, relationship, and it seemed like a really good fit as a uh, uh, in that in that particular category. Um, then um, moving over to granularity, okay in that column. Uh, it varies in the level of granularity. Uh, we were just looking at the granularity as a as a hierarchy. Um, I actually checked it's not 12 or 13. It's actually 11. It's at the depth of the hierarchy is 11 in this case Um, On the other hand it uh, I think if you go down further A little farther down we had some comment about this Uh, We weren't sure exactly how to interpret granularity if if you think of this in terms of the community that it serves uh, They would regard this as being fairly coarse granularity uh, of concepts um, on the other hand as an ontology by itself being uh, you know having 11 layer you know, eleven levels uh, depth 11 uh, that means it is it is classifying at a fairly a fairly fine level fa- a fairly fine amount so if you just look at it within the ontology it seems like it's it's being it's classifying to a fine uh, level and therefore fine granularity should be the classification here, but just within the community, it's considered quite coarse. Yes?
1: I guess we should sort of scale it from the user's perspective, which means you should say it's coarse.
4: Yes,
0: from the... No, I mean, you you need to take into account the intended use. I mean, for uh, If you take MESH for its intended use, which is to index the literature, it's probably fine-grade enough. If you use it uh, in a clinical system to record diseases and things like this, it's not going to work. Okay, but that's not what it is for.
4: That's right. In the intended use, it is, it is a fine granularity. So then uh, go back up again. To the right, Okay, so uh, moving over to intended use, it's its intended use is for tagging and indexing of the biomedical research literature. Um, that's the stated purpose of the of mesh. Then moving to reasoning, there it's a uh, There isn't any notion of reasoning within this uh, within mesh. It, it, there's no logic of any kind. Then uh, moving to strictness, Um, yeah, we had some trouble understanding this one. Um, It seemed like it was just a subset of intended use. Uh, The intended use here is descriptive in that it's uh, informally tagging uh, research papers, although there is a a fairly rigorous and strict methodology that they employ to try to make the um, tagging as precise as possible. But, uh, yeah, nevertheless, it seems like descriptive is the uh, appropriate term for this. Um, then going to design, this is... We need to here in about two to three minutes. Yeah, okay, so I'll move up quickly. The design is very complex. It was designed bottom-up, top-down, and horizontally. Uh, it's actually the merger of something like 17 sub vocabularies, uh, which makes it a, a, the design uh, uh, methodology a very complex one. Uh, then let's take a look at gene ontology, so quickly go through those. Again, it's a highly structured and controlled vocabulary. Um, then the expressiveness is, uh, if this is a formal uh, subclass hierarchy, uh, it has it has both ISA and part of uh, relationships within the within the ontology. Um, moving right, the uh, granularity there is a fairly fine granularity. Um, that's it's considered pretty fine, although you know within sub communities it's not quite good enough for for some purposes. So we we kind of figured on a scale of one to five it would be about four. Uh, the purpose is to annotate genes and gene products. The uh, reasoning is a simple uh, is a and actually also part of reasoning, uh, although there's no, there's no logic built in to go beyond the, uh, these two notions of, of ISA and part of. Uh, strictness, this is a prescriptive within the context of this uh, uh, intended use and its design seems to be mostly top down although it's pretty clear that there are also bottom up aspects uh, in the way that this was designed so that's that's all for the biomedical ontologies
2: we want to go upstairs is it, where is this thing downstairs down the hall okay we're all going to follow the piper here
1: for those who are on the phone we uh we are closing this session, and we will return at 10:30, at 10:40, for the continuing session.